Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three Under Par podcast. This is a golf podcast where little white ball is life. I'm your host Scotty T, and I'm joined by my co-host T Bone. How's it going, T Bone? I'm doing well. Doing really well. Awesome. Love to hear it. We are missing KJ for this one again. It's his last week on IR. We think. We think, and he should be back next week. So we're, this is our 2019 players preview episode. I'm really excited for this episode because the players big tournament. Really the first big one on the on the calendar year for this year. Yeah, as I've said before, it's the first major. Or I guess Ooh, it wasn't previously that's a hot first, take. but it's it's pretty much the first major of the year now with it being in March. I think your boy Charlie Hoffman posted on Instagram story he this did. week. He said the first major of the year. Oh, man. I don't know. Or even David Duvall on Golf Channel last week. And he was mentioning the players, and he called it a major. Interesting. It is. Step aside, PGA Championship. Make room. <laughs> Especially for a guy like David Duvall, who if he just starts calling the Players' Championship a major, then that takes his major count from one major win to two major wins. Okay, so he definitely has some incentive to do that. He ha- Yeah, he's definitely looking towards himself on that. You know, we've talked a lot about taking majors away from other people just throughout time. Um, you know, Jack Nicklaus in 86, a lot of people thought that was his 20th major win, but... Currently, that's his 18th major win, so we'll get into a little bit more of that as the podcast continues, but uh, before that, check us out on social media at 3 Under Par Pod. That is the number 3, 3 Under Par Pod. For those who listened to the episode before this, I will be at the Players. By the time this episode drops, I will be in Ponte Vedra Beach at the Players Championship. Boom. Can't wait. Shout out to my boys down there, especially my friend Jeb. He's getting married that weekend, so as my wedding gift to him. We're going to the players, man. <laughs> That's I, great. I'm a really good friend. Humble brag. Is it during? Is it on his wedding day, or is he missing like the rehearsal dinner or anything for the for the tournament? He's not missing the rehearsal dinner. We're gonna be there Thursday, and his wedding is Saturday. Will uh, you get him back in time? He should be back in time. Okay. Yeah, I think he'll maybe miss like one event, but we're going on Thursday. It's his wedding. It's not a big deal. He can do whatever he wants. It's yeah, his it's, wedding. It's his wedding, not the bride's wedding. Yeah. Right? Very true. <laughs> Sorry to Jeb's wife. Hopefully you don't get too <laughs> mad at me, but can't wait to see you on Saturday. <laughs> but we're driving up to the wedding on Saturday. It's at Amelia Island, which is just like an hour and a half north of the players. So that's why I won't be there Saturday. We're going up to the wedding, but then we're coming back for the players on Sunday. Um, can't wait. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, write us a review, and give us a five-star rating. But most importantly, tell a friend about the podcast. All right, we're going to dive right into it. The players preview. I think in order to talk about the players... We need to start from the beginning. We need to start really kind of with the history of the PGA Tour itself because the reason why that there is the Players' Championship is because when the PGA Tour broke off from the PGA of America, the PGA Tour had every tournament pretty much week in, week out, but they didn't have the majors. The Masters is its own independent-operated tournament. The PGA of America kept the PGA Championship. The USGA has the US Open, and then the RNA has the British Open. So the PGA just kind of sitting there just like, all right, what are we going to do here? Let's come up with our own major. Kind of like it. It's kind of a it's kind of a badass move. I mean, you were just kind of knocking on me for saying it's it's not a major, but well, that was the idea that they wanted to do it. I'm not saying it is a major. I'm kind of more in the camp that it should be a major, but I understand why people don't want it to consider it a major. But so we're going to start with the history of the PGA Tour. 
the Players' Championship, we're going to go synonymous with the stadium course at TPC Sawgrass. So we're going to dive into a brief history of TPC Sawgrass as well. To start off with the PGA Tour, it's a very interesting story. We can do an entire podcast on the PGA Tour itself, just how that became the B. Guys like Walter Hagen, who made really the PGA Tour, or being a traveling professional, cool. He was the first guy that really wasn't a PGA professional at a course, but then started to be a tour pro. It was officially founded in 1929. Actually, a year before Bobby Jones won his Grand Slam in 1930. but So they were doing okay. Um, but then in the late 60s, so you had Anna Palmer and Jack Nicklaus, who were really starting to headline the PGA Tour. There was a dispute on how to distribute revenue because they were getting a lot more TV expansion coverage, which is still nothing compared to what it is now. But at that point, they had a dispute on how to distribute the revenue. The PGA of America wanted to keep it more locally. Uh, to help grow the game at a local level. But then the PGA Tour wanted the purses to get bigger so that they could have more money to play for. Look, what they were playing for wasn't a lot still. I mean, you'll see some stats that most guys who win a PGA Tour event now, let's say the John Deere Classic, I think they win more than what Arnold Palmer won in his entire career on the PGA Tour. That's crazy. So... It was after the 1968 PGA Championship, the players were so upset that they formed their own organization called the American Professional Golfer, Inc. APG, that's what it stood for. And that was the origin of the PGA Tour. Now, the PGA of America, frankly, wasn't too thrilled about this, as they probably shouldn't be. And so, long story short, they worked it out to where the PGA Tour broke off from that and formed their fully autonomous division under a 10-member tournament board. And then uh, the first commissioner of the PGA Tour was a gentleman by the name of Joseph Day. He was a former USGA guy. The first few years of the PGA Tour, they were doing pretty good. He signed a five-year contract. And then a guy by the name of Dean Beeman took over as the PGA Tour commissioner. Dean was truly a legendary guy who whose impact on golf is still being felt for this day. And so he looked around, as we mentioned, he wanted to essentially try to start a major for the PGA Tour. Thus, the Players' Championship was born. The first Players' Championship was born in 1974. T-Bone, who do you think was the first winner of the Players' Championship? I know this. I know, do you know what, I, I don't know his name, but I'm pretty sure he was playing with an orange golf ball and threw a guy in the in the pond after he won. That's all I that's all I know. You're almost there. So that was the first tournament that was played at TPC Sawgrass. The first okay. player that yeah, the first players that was played there. But the first winner of the players' championship was Jack Nicholas. Pretty big name. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not bad. Yeah. But it wasn't played at TPC Sawgrass. The first players' championship was played at Atlanta Country Club. Interesting. Right. So the first probably six years or so, six or seven years, the Players' Championship was not played at TPC Sawgrass. The PJ Tour didn't have a headquarters. So Dean Beeman, he looked at the Majors' Championship. He saw that the U.S. Open was played at a different course every single year. The PGA and the British Open were also played at different courses every year. The first few years, the Players' Championship was played at Atlanta Country Club, Colonial, in Fort Worth. I'm not hmm. sure a lot of people know that. I didn't know that until I started looking into this. And then in Very Country Club in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But he looked at the other majors, and then he liked the way that Augusta National and the Masters was played at Augusta National every single year. 
So he got the idea of wanting to have the players at a home course every single year so that people become more familiar with the course. So Dan Beeman was a pretty accomplished player himself. He won two, two USAMs, and he had a really good experience down in Jacksonville. At that point, I think it was called the Jacksonville Open. He liked the way that the entire community came together for a tournament. And so they actually made an offer to buy Sawgrass Country Club which is literally right across the street. If you're familiar with the area, there's a street called A1A that just goes right down the coastline. And Sawgrass Country Club is more on the beach side. And they didn't sell it to him. They were like, no, this is kind of a crazy idea. We don't like it. And so what Dean Beeman did is that he literally went across the street on A1A. He found the developers who own this land and they sold it to him for $1. I don't I don't know what that means. What? They sold it to him for $1. The PGA Tour is set up to this day as a nonprofit, as frankly most organizations are, the NFL, NBA, MLB, which a lot of people don't know that because they they technically give back to charity. Now, the PGA Tour does a really good job of giving back to charity. I think in terms of percentage of revenue given back, they give the most out of any professional organization, which is a fantastic thing that the PGA Tour does. But since Sawgrass Country Club didn't sell it to Dean, he kind of wanted to stick it to him a little bit, and so the developers sold it to him for $1. Actually, if you go into the pro shop at TPC Sawgrass, they have the check that is framed for $1 that the property was bought for. It's really cool. That's awesome. So he started selling memberships to local businessmen in the Jacksonville area, since Ponte Vedra is like 45 minutes away from downtown Jacksonville. He was selling them for about 50 k to start, and then different levels of memberships after that. So that's how TPC was born. Sawgrass Country Club said no, so Dean Beeman pretty much said, F you, I'll build one myself. Looking back on it, maybe the Sawgrass Country Club should have sold it to him, but we wouldn't have the Island Green that we have now. What do you think? Hmm. I mean, hindsight 2020, right? Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty crazy how that all ended up like that. It really is. And so Dean hired Pete Dye to come in and design this golf course. Essentially, his vision was not only to have a major, but he wanted the course that would be a pleasurable viewing experience by the gallery. Hence why it's called a stadium course. He wanted that stadium type feel. And if you've ever been there, I would recommend any person to go to the Players' Championship. When you get the 16 and 17, it truly does have a stadium type feel to it. It's really neat. I mean, something as simple as the way that the that the grass is, you know, it's kind of elevated. So anybody, it doesn't matter if you're in a hospitality venue or whatnot, anybody can see golf. Kind of see the action from everywhere. Exactly. And so the first players was played in 1982 at TPC Sawgrass. And then pretty much from there, the rest is history, man, in terms of the players being synonymous with TPC Sawgrass, with Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. I mean, there are pretty much two events that shut down the city of Jacksonville. It's the Florida-Georgia game in the fall. In the Players' Championship. So the first one was played in 1982, and the first champion was Jerry Pate. That's the guy you couldn't think of earlier. Okay. Jerry Pate. And yes, you were right. He He was playing with orange golf balls. Yeah, he was playing with an orange golf ball. He won by two shots. And it's really funny when you you go back and look at the highlights. There's a cameraman that's like right next to him, and he's leaning to the cameraman and says, Hey, do you think I should throw him in? It's like, what? like, yeah, I'm going to throw him in. So after he made the putt to win, he shook Dean Beeman's hand and then threw him into the lake on <laughs> He's 18. wearing like a sport coat and tie and everything. Yes, too. he threw him and course designer Pete Dye into the lake, and then he jumped in right after him. It's really cool to go back and watch. I'll definitely recommend that people do that. <laughs> 
those are the origins of the Players' Championship. Like I said, especially with the controversy that's been going on of whether or not it's the fifth major, I feel like that's been picking up steam more and more in the last, I don't know, five to ten years. But really, it's been going on since 1974 when the first Players was played. I think I mentioned I'm in the camp. It's weird because four is just like a good sounding number, like four majors. Well, it's almost to the point where because it wasn't a major from the beginning, it's hard to add it in now right? to like officially clarify or make it a major. I heard some analogy that especially when like Gene Saracen won the Masters, he was like at that time he shouldn't have called it a major because he compared it to uh, more like the the Tiger Hero World Challenge. It was a gathering of friends for Bobby Jones. But now, obviously, that tournament has evolved into what we know it now to be, the major championship that it is. But I think it's easier to take away majors than it is to add majors to the list. I think that's why people are, are more hesitant to do that to begin with. I'm definitely in the camp of probably should be, just because it has the largest person golf. It has probably the hardest field in golf, just based off the quality of players and how deep the field is. I think it's like one of the largest ones. I do have some fun facts about the Players' Championship. The person who has won it the most times is Jack Nicklaus. Three times. Now, granted, because it took a while for TPC to be built, he never won it at TPC Sawgrass. You know, take that for it as you will, but he still won the Players three times. A few other people have won it twice, including Fred Couples, Steve Elkington, Hal Sutton, which has that, which he has that famous Be, be the, the Right, right Club, Club Today. today. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Davis Love III and Tiger Woods are the only people who have won it twice. There's never been a back-to-back winner. So sorry, Webb Simpson. You will not be my pick for this year. I hope not. He. So that being said, he is the defending champion. Uh, the course record there is 63. A lot of people shot 63. But Greg Norman holds the 72 score record at 264, which is 24 under. 24 under. That's insane. That's so many birdies. That course is so damn hard. If ever you've played it before, you get it. But before we dive into that, um, Fred Funk is the oldest winner. The youngest winner is Siwoo Kim, who won it in 2017. I think it was like, what, 21, 22 when he won it? Came out of nowhere, honestly. I think that kind of proves my point of it's one of the deepest fields in golf. Nobody's ever heard of this guy. And he goes out and wins. No big deal. It's fine. Now, traditionally, the players was played in March. The reason why they wanted to be in March is because just part of that Florida swing. That at that point, they're already playing down at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, on the Honda Classic. And then they just kind of also, too, people don't think about. It's also baseball spring training. So back in the days when traveling wasn't as easy as it is today, a lot of the baseball riders up in the Northeast would be down in Florida for spring training. And so that's part of the reason why they wanted to be in March so that the sports riders can just stay down there get a little bit more coverage that's also why the masters is in april so the the riders would just slowly make their way up to the northeast and then stop off at augusta national in april fun fact pretty cool so it moved to may though in 2007 so that's why you see like tiger the better than most that's when the players just played him in march um phil won it the first year moved to 2007 hopefully phil will be playing in it this year Hopefully he thinks the course isn't as unfair. I don't know if unfair is the right word. You know, T-Bone, you've mentioned this earlier. A lot of people have issues with TPC Sawgrass just as a course. What are you talking about? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I know it's weird because 
I feel like you never really hear that with tour players. I feel like they're always never really making excuses with the course difficulty unless it's like a U.S. Open. But there are some people that really hate the PGA Championship. I know part of that is 17, which... Oh, I, the players, you mean, sorry? Yes, yes, yeah, sorry. Okay. I know there's a lot of people that hate it. I, I know Ernie Els in the past, like, despises 17. Like he <laughs> says, I wish they'd blow up that island. <laughs> And it's just interesting to see players usually don't hate on courses too much, but there are a lot of people out there that have issues with this. And now we have Phil, who's trying, as you mentioned, he's playing a practice round to decide if he even wants to play or not. Yep. And you just don't normally get that with, with a course on the PGA Tour. Well, especially in 1982 when the first players was played there, a lot of people had issues with it then, so uh, it sounds like not much has changed. But I, if I remember correctly, they did a lot of renovations, I think around 1980, or uh, I'm sorry, 1988. So they had played a few players' championships there, gotten a lot of feedback. And then, you know, if you've played there, they have, I mean, Pete Dyes is a sneaky little bastard because he puts <laughs> some, some like small pothole bunkers that are only big enough for you to stand in. And he put them perfectly where you're likely to hit the golf ball. And so guys like Ben Crenshaw came out and said something along the lines of, this course is kind of unfair. And then they made some of those adjustments. And now he goes, yeah, this is a damn good golf course now. So people have always had issues with it. It's very demanding off the tee. And it's very, it's just a demanding golf course in general. you got to be on with your driver. you got to hit fairways. And it's- if you don't put the ball in the right part of the green, there's a very good chance you're going to three-putt. Yeah, and also, back to off the tee, isn't there a hole where there's just, like, a, a tree limb overhanging, like, the tee box, and you just got to, like, hit it low? There used to be. Okay. So, yeah, so. it was number six, and I remember the first time I played it, I actually played it right after I graduated high school in 2011. Um, we did a family trip out there, and yeah, the tree limb was just, like, hanging over the tee box, like, right in the ball flight of number six, and then I'm not sure if it was, like, a big storm or hurricane came through. It kind or, of took a, it out. or a member's chainsaw. There have been rumors <laughs> <laughs> about that. It was weird whenever I, I moved out there and I played the course again for the first time in a few years. And I was like, wait, wasn't there a tree limb that was here? But, you know, subtle changes like that, the players probably like. Yeah. Uh, Caddy uh, the first time told us a story about when Phil, Phil, when he was playing there, he hit the tree limb. And then the ball went straight down, probably went where the white tees usually are. So then he's lying two, literally still on the tee box. And if you're playing with us and you don't make it past the ladies' tees, drop the drawers. Drop them, baby. <laughs> yeah, it, but it just seems like there's a bunch of like goofy stuff like that out there that probably has pissed these players off over time. For sure. For sure. And then they they redid the course. I believe it was right after 2016 they redid the course and they made number 12, which was traditionally like a 350-yard par 4. They made it into a drivable par 4 about playing like 315 or 320. The tour really wanted to try to make it like one of those exciting finishes. If somebody's trying to make a move, hey, do I drive the green? Do I not go for it? Frankly, I think that's been a dud. It hasn't really done it because those guys can still hit 5-wood or 3-wood or a driving iron still be 20, 30 yards from the green, and they don't even bring the water into play anymore. But that's beside the point. Um, you're right, though. There are a lot of quirks, weird holes. Another one that comes to mind is number 11. It's a par 5. It's kind of a funky little double 
dog leg with water that cuts across the middle of the green. So if you it's but it's a small green, so it's hard to go for it in two. You got to think on that golf course. You really got to think. There's a famous shot. I think it was when Phil won, and he's on number ten. And there's all the shit there on the left side, but there's a like a skinny little pop bunker looking thing, but it's a legit bunker, and he's hitting on it. And if you play the hole, if you're left, you're dead. Like you don't have a shot to the green. And then Phil somehow puts it on the green, and he looks at Bones, and he was like, "There's a window that was probably like five feet by five feet," and he hit it just perfectly through that opening. And he looks at Bones and goes, "I didn't want to tell you about that because you would have told me not to hit it." <laughs> but that's one thing I love that it's played at the same course because you have memories like that you know if you look at u.s opens i mean even the last couple years at the u.s open brooks kepka won his first one at aaron hills and his second one at shinnecock besides that par three i think it was like number 12 or 13 at shinnecock where he made that incredible bogey that really helped him win the u.s open i can't name any other shots that he hit to win those golf tournaments now if you look at the masters i mean look at tiger 2000 was it 2005 when he had that chip in on 16 you can literally stand where he hit that chip. If you go to the Players' Championship, when Ricky won in 2015, you can be like, hey, I can stand on the island green where Ricky was hitting it to three feet with that pin tucked on the right. Like, you can see the holes in the shots. And that's one thing I love about TPC Sawgrass is that you can be there, even if it's a public course, that anybody can go play it if you're willing to throw down the money for it. It's kind of expensive. But you can go hit those shots, stand where those pros have stood. It's amazing. So we've touched on it a lot already. Phil Mickelson's one of the headlines. Is he going to play? What's your prediction? Because we're recording this before he's announced. So by the time this comes out, he's already going to announce. But what do you think? I just, I, I think he will play. I don't think he's going to really, I, I don't really see him as ever stepping down from a challenge. I think he's just kind of probably annoyed with the course. But once he gets out there, the the juice competitive juices are going to be flowing. He posted a video today. I don't know if anyone saw it, but he had his track man out and he hit a drive that carried 320 and went 340. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I think his quote unquote he said, you know, I'm fine with that. Like that was his commentary. So I would say his confidence is pretty high right now and once he gets out there with the practice round. I mean, he's been playing the course for 20 years. He knows it. I think he'll play. So two of the other headlines we um, is that Jason Day had the withdrawal at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Is he going to play? Actually, I got a question. I'll reverse it. Oh, who's down. who's most likely to play out of the three? Tiger, Jason Day, or Phil? Well, that was going to be the other person I brought up. Is, is Tiger was going to play? I think that Tiger, out of those three guys, is most likely to play. Okay, out of all of them, because when it comes to back injuries with Jason Day, you know he's had some issues with vertigo in the past, a few injuries here or there. When it comes to back injuries with golfers, you don't mess with that. Yeah, it's pretty important for the golf swing. Yeah, it's the engine that, that makes the car go. It's your back in golf. And so if Jason Day's back is hurting, he shouldn't play, honestly. You know, get ready for Augusta National. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I mean, think- do you say the same for Tiger's neck? Because no one really knows how serious that is. I would say, yes, I would say the same thing. If it's as severe... It's a neck injury compared to a back injury, and it's a neck strain versus a, like, I think a neck strain is a little easier to treat than a back strain. Definitely. So, so that's why I think Tiger. Okay. And then Phil, he might just say F everybody and not play. <laughs> like, that, that, like, he's such a wild card that I don't even know what yeah. to do. So, yeah, those are you know, a few of the notable players. 
Jason Day won it in 2016. So that's why his name keeps coming up. He's a recent champion. Um, the betting favorites right now is Dustin Johnson. He's the betting favorite to win at 12 to 1. Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas are at 14 to 1. And Justin Rose is at 16 to 1. So those are the four players that are the betting odds. We're going to give our picks here in a sec, but just want to throw that out there for those. Shout out to my roommate, to those who want to throw down some odds on that. So the golf course. The golf course itself, with it moving from May to March, it's going to play a lot different this year. Uh, when Jason Day won in 2016, a lot of people forget that Saturday, the course just got incredibly hard. Like I don't know if they stopped watering the greens that day, but the course got so firm, only a handful of players shot under par. One of the tour execs, Andy Pazner, came out and said that that was our Shinnecock moment. He was referring to whenever the U.S. Opens played at Shinnecock a few, like a decade ago or whatnot. The golf course just got impossible. We, we have lost the golf course. They lost the golf course. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, pretty much. But they didn't oversee it when it was in May because they just had more time. Uh, with it being a March, for those who are just viewing it, the grass is going to be a lot greener. So that's what it means to overseed it is that it's going to be a lot greener. The greens, I think, are going to be a little bit more receptive if I had to guess. I'm not quite sure. It's been a while since I've played on on overseeded greens, but they're going to be able to spit in a lot more. The fairs are going to be more defined. Even, even just like around the fringe in the first cut around the greens, I think the winner has to be really on point with driving the golf ball and then obviously really spot on with their green. So in my opinion, whoever leads the field and strokes gain off the tee has a really good chance of winning. You know, usually we say the best putter is going to win, which is definitely true. There's a lot of validity behind that. But I think driving the golf ball this week is going to be the most important aspect to the players. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about and what everyone talks about is that off the tee is the difficulty of this course and what makes it really tough. But... Honestly, that's just kind of golf now in general, honestly. Yeah. We are now going to give our picks for the Players' Championship 2019. For those who want to go back and listen to our preview episode, we gave all of our picks there. Uh, those were our original picks just at the beginning of the year. So our I, original picks, when we run through this? Yeah, so, well, I also think at this point, you know, that was a while ago. That, that, can, be that, our, that can be one of our picks, but I think we get a 1 and 1B. One that's right. The ones that we gave at the beginning of the year, that's going to be our 1A. This is our 1B. And so I chose Justin Rose. KJ chose Xander Shoffley. And T-Bone picked Bryson DeChambeau. We texted KJ and said, do you want to stick with Xander Shoffley or would you like that 1B? And he said he's still going with Xander Shoffley. Respect. I was a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Xander, haven't heard much of him since he won out of Kapalua. But all right. He goes Xander this week, I guess, for KJ's sake. So T-Bone. You originally picked Bryson DeChambeau. Who is your new pick, if you have one, for the Players' Championship? Yeah, I might as well add one in there. And, shit, I didn't realize you took Justin Rose already. And I hate to copy you, but I think I'm going to copy you and make him my 1B. Okay. I'm writing this down. Do you want to switch with me, too? You can have Bryson, and we can kind of be a team. Or are you going to go with someone else? I'm going to go with somebody else. I do like the Justin Rose pick. But my new pick for this one is going to be Rory McIlroy. Okay. Roars. Team Roars this I mean, week. he's. it's a matter of time of him closing one out. If Rory year. McIlroy can putt somewhat decent this week, as I talked a lot about earlier, driving the golf ball is going to be important. 
and Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy might be the two best drivers of the golf ball on the PGA Tour now, or at least at this point in time. So that and, and Roy's playing some incredible golf. His worst finish on the tour so far this year is tied for sixth. Do you know how many people would love to do that in one year on the PGA Tour? And that's his worst finish. It's insane. On any tour. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the freaking Adams Tour, Latin America, Canada. Man, that's why I'm going with Rory. I think that's a good pick. I love it. Anyway, I'm going to be down there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 and a par pod, the number Scotty 3. Scotty T will keep us posted. He's going to I will be taking a lot over. of content. A lot of content. Yes. So that's it for our Players 2019 preview. Um, the golf course is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think just you know, keep an eye on it because it's the first time it's being moved back to March in a, in a decade. Let's see if the PGA Tour can keep it going. Side note, every time that Tiger Woods has won the Masters, the players was played in, in March. Wow. So with it moving back, sneak preview. Dang, we might be, could be some Tiger picks for the 1B for our Masters picks. We're going to do a Masters preview as well when that point comes. So, But that's it for our 2019 preview. T-Bone, do you have anything else that you would like to add? No, I'm just ready to live through you. In uh, in the in Jack, wherever the hell it is, in Ponte Vedra. I should know that by now. Ponte Vedra Beach. Okay, but yeah, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> I think the listeners are ready to see some firsthand exposure to the tourney. So should, we're pumped. Should be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. We appreciate y'all sticking with us. Hopefully, you enjoyed a little bit of history of the PJ Tour as well as the Players Championship overall. Uh, honestly, we can do an entire podcast just about those specific things, whether it be TPC Sawgrass or the history of the PGA Tour. But I just thought it was important to talk about those things of, of how it's important to know where you came from to know where you're at now. And so that's why I wanted to do that. So mention, check us out on social media at 3 under par pod. That's the number 3, 3 under par pod. Let us know what you think. If there's any pictures that you want me to try to get, let me know because I'll be there. Hashtag Team Takeover on the twitter and instagram wherever you're listening to this please subscribe and write us a review uh and give us a five-star rating but most importantly tell a friend about the podcast we really appreciate our listenership so far uh we love hearing from y'all as well so you can also send us emails of any funny golf stories that you hear or see out on the golf course and we'll read them to you live on the air but you know we're doing this podcast because we love golf and we want y'all to be a part of this journey as we grow the podcast players week get ready for it well thanks again for listening and remember Little white ball is life. Peace.